0: Fascists don't pretend to play by the rules. He's building power for the white nationalist right and seeking to eliminate the rest of us. That's what fascism is, and that's what the global fascist movement is connected to.
1: 21 of Inside Without Now, a podcast brought to you by volunteers with RefuseFascism.org. I'm Sam Goldman, one of those volunteers and host of the show. I want to start by sharing with you a message from the RefuseFascism.org editorial board. A salute to all who stepped into the public square in week one of daily OutNow protests. We are now a week in to a historic undertaking to win back a future for humanity. All of you who have been out in the city squares this past week, both longtime organizers and people stepping in for the first time, are blazing the right path that millions more must join you on. What has begun by a few can become a magnet to all. Together, we are learning how to cohere the force of people, the coalition of the decent, that can drive out a regime that imperils all of humanity. The world is in flux, and in moments of great change, millions of people are lifting their heads for answers. The potential to become a pole of attraction and a force in society lies in the interaction between what we do what the regime does, and what other forces do or don't do. Pelosi just introduced a bill about the 25th Amendment to stop future presidents, not this one. This cannot answer the existential dread that millions feel about Trump and Pence or the reality that this regime is stealing the election now setting up a Supreme Court to rule in their favor, and escalating calls for violence in order to stay in power. In the public square, we are building the Out Now movement by word and by deed. In word, we have the strength of our call, our pledge, our vision statement, an agitation that brings to people the situation and the stakes and what they must do now. Indeed, we have people like you across the country, acting with courage and conviction and carrying the interests of humanity, coming back to the public square every day and demanding Trump-Pence out now for the immigrants, for women and LGBTQ people, for black and brown people, for the people who live on the planet with us and for every struggle for justice to be able to advance. You do this to stop a fast genocide and save a future for humanity. Strengthen and support each other while calling forth many more who must follow your lead. At this moment, there is no other path to bringing this fascist program to a halt. There are many challenges ahead, but in our daily protests, there have been sparks that point to what the near future can bring. New people stepping in and taking responsibility. Artists bringing all their creativity to this great cause. People pulling over and getting out of their cars because they have to see what this new scene is about. People listening and willing to be challenged. core organizers identifying problems and working to overcome them. Already, there are glimmers of the diversity and unity It will take to unleash this great force of and for humanity this we must build on and carry forward now we must work creatively and daringly with everyone who steps forward on the problem of how we grow and how our action in the square becomes a pole of attraction it is not easy to be the first but millions are going through a process of awakening that can very quickly lead them right to where you are. Let's reach them. Let's welcome them. Let's go forward together. In the name of humanity, we refuse to accept a fascist America. Trump-Pence, out now. In today's episode, I'm sharing an interview with grassroots organizer and strategist, Ejira Stixson, on fascism and organizing the people to act to oust the Trump-Pence regime. Thank you so much for joining me tonight to chat about fascism and how we get out of this mess. I was in between projects today, and I heard a few clips of Trump's outrageous interview on Rush Limbaugh. The news story was, Trump drops the F-bomb. It was in relation to Iran. He was saying, if they fuck with us, They have no idea what's coming for them, unlike anything they've ever seen in the world. All the conversation was about this F-bomb, missing the true F-bomb that humanity faces, which is fascism. So I'm so glad to be here with you. You've been an activist for a long time, engaged in radical organizing, looking to uproot systemic racism and anti-queer, and in particular, anti-trans violence. Some people might call it left perspective. Why do you see Trump as fascist Related, what do you say to friends who will say, he's just a symptom?
0: So I can start a bit around my journey. I'm really excited to be here first and I'm really thankful to be here. And I had heard of the term fascism and people were naming it frequently after the 2016 election. And as the strategist I am, but also as the anxious human who is not good with words that I have not heard clearly defined, well, I need to understand more about this and threw myself into a project of learning more about fascism. So I think, one, there's a lot of debate around what does the word fascism mean? And two, there's a lot of debate around, is Trump a fascist because of his narcissism? I think that that's fair to say. Is he bought into the political project of fascism from an ideological perspective, or is he bought into power? Whether or not we ascribe to either of those, he moves a fascist agenda, and he's part of a global fascist movement. And by that, I mean, It's a far-right agenda. It's an authoritarian or dictatorial agenda, and it's also about building the white ethno-nationalism within it and the destruction of democratic processes. And again, we can also get into, I think, a very fair debate of whether this has ever been a democracy or was this a democracy for white, rich, cis men. However, in terms of the systemic and governmental processes as they exist, he is working to consolidate power, eliminate power, remove and challenge and incite violence and create violence against dissidents. The whole concept of Make America Great Again is also built on the terror that the white right is feeling, recognizing that they are an increasing minority. I called Trump a fascist for those reasons. I think that there are things we can call him a symptom of. I think of him as a symptom of late stage capitalism, but that doesn't make him not a fascist. I think you can call him an example of why the system isn't serving us. I think he's absolutely a fascist. And what I am grateful for is that now people are saying the word. Now people are naming it, naming it and organizing against it. Two different things. I remember the days where leftists would argue fascist or right-wing populist. Or In preparation for this, I looked up an article from 2016 and it said, is Trump a fascist? And one of the points where people said, no, there's no, he still believes in democracy. Well, I think these days, as he is repetitively naming that he will not respect the results of the election, there are so many processes that he has fundamentally undermined that that argument Well, he's not trying to destroy our system. Yes, he's building power for the white nationalist right and seeking to eliminate the rest of us. That's what fascism is, and that's what the global fascist movement is connected to.
1: That analysis, and in particular, walking through the definitions, people can get so caught up in that they miss the forest because they're looking at each leaf on the tree. One of the equations right after the debate that Trump and Biden had refused fascism put out to very simplify what we're talking about was white supremacy, plus destroying the elections, equals fascism making it very simple for people yes. that this is what we're talking about and it's not that trump invented white supremacy yes but he's taking it to genocidal levels
0: and also exploiting and accelerating genocidal processes that are already in place I think it's a fascinating conversation between the governor of Michigan and Trump around what is the role of inciting violence from the Proud Boys, or every time he is asked about violence and terrorism, connecting them to Antifa, this concept of anarchist jurisdictions. There, there is also a piece where fascists drum up popular fervor so that the violence doesn't have to come all from the state. And part of the reason that that happens, in my understanding, again, not a scholar of fascism, but one of the reasons that happens is the fascists in this country are in the minority. That is the thing that we always need to fundamentally keep remembering. People power is what defeats fascism. And... There is a piece around inciting a level of violence, a level of fear, a level of destroying and eroding institutions that people are used to depending on. And it's a mix of the psychological and political happening at the same time that allows people to not fight what's happening. There's this particular piece around the scariest parts and hardest parts around fascism is that easier to defeat the earlier you engage. And it is designed to freeze you into disengagement. When I learned that, I was joking with a friend and should I create fascism barometer? Send out text messages regularly and say, here's where we are on the barometer, FYI. Because I was just thinking a lot about the intersection of the identities I hold. I'm black, I'm queer. I grew up between working class and lower middle class take care of many people in my life. I am one of the people that the fascists want to eliminate, high at the intersections of identities, (laughs) that the odds are that the people I love are the people who get targeted swiftly. It's really important for us to understand it because we can't treat fascism like other conservative agendas.
1: One thing I wanted to dig into a little bit more is in Refuse Fascism, we've been talking about how fascism represents not just things getting worse or more of what's bad about this society, but a qualitative leap to a different form of rule, a rule of open terror. In this context of it rising in a country like the U.S. with its history of being founded in genocide and slavery, and what it holds in the implications of it happening now. A country that is the only country that used nuclear weapons, and a country that does have a militia history, where there are groups that have exercised terror on sections of people. And I, I just wanted to hear from you on... What do you see in the coming months? What's on your mind in
0: that? In that same idea of the barometer, I think a lot about we're at the stage of fascist progression where a lot can change in 24 to 48 hours. Whether it was just this whole idea of anarchist jurisdictions, one day that wasn't there and the next day it is. I already have heard that there are activists who are being disappeared in both Portland and Louisville right now. The next stage of fascism is the active rounding up of political dissidents, naming them as terrorists, naming them as opponents of the state. And what I think is different about fascism being um, not just another part of the U.S.'s racist settler colonial capitalist history is also that fascists don't pretend to play by the rules and openly disregard those rules. And that means that they use surprising, swift, and terrifying tactics. Whereas other right-wing forces, you can have a lot of different strategies. You can have multiple strategies in place. You can take more time to be deliberative with your political projects And fascism is about, and fighting fascism is about numbers and speed. Numbers, speed, solidarity, and holding on together in terrifying times. Just to lower the bar of danger against the most targeted people and to reduce the danger for everyone. The more of us who are engaged, the fewer of us that can be disappeared. It's hard to disappear a person in a strong community. What I'm really thinking about is how do we protect movement leaders? How do we stay safe? I think there's a lot of people who are putting almost a savior lens on the election. The election is incredibly important because he's a fascist. If Trump wins, we are in an escalation of danger. And if Trump loses, we are in a short-term escalation of danger. The math stays the same because he's going to do everything he can to hold on to power, to destabilize the country, and to create a narrative and conditions so that it is impossible for him to, quote unquote, impossible for him to leave. I'm really thinking about the work that I'm doing right now is really focused on the safety of people who are doing electoral work, the safety of our political work and the safety of our protests and movement leaders.
1: I wanted to go back to something that you brought up earlier. When we had spoken before, you brought it up, and I thought it was very helpful. And I just was hoping that you could kind of underscore it again, because I think that we're in a different terrain. This is totally unprecedented. Mm -hmm. You've talked about how it's essential for people who've been organizing or see themselves as activists for years to recognize that we're no longer operating under the same terrain. I was wondering if you could speak to a little bit more about why protest is different now. Why we need to be different now.
0: Yeah, I can speak to that. I was in a meeting and a dear friend said, we need to stop treating neo-fascists like neoliberals. So a neoliberal agenda dismantles a social safety net, turns it into corporate profit. And a neo-fascist agenda is the elimination of democratic institutions in service of creating power for this white nationalist state. People who fundamentally believe in the system to some degree, then you can use systematic processes. You can protest and lobby. And you can have all this. Our coalitions don't have to be in as deep of alignment. We can work on a whole bunch of different tactics simultaneously and call them a movement and make progress. But under... Fascism, we actually have to preserve our, our ability to live. We have to preserve our ability to fight for so many things. And we have to do it quickly, and we face tremendous dangers. So I think what fascism means for protest is it really means the amount of people, how deep we are interconnected, how much we protect each other, how hard we are working to speak to people who agree with us, but they may, may not be like us, and how how long we are willing to refuse to go along with the program. You literally have to say, this is fascism, it all stops now, and we're shutting this down. Of course it is about positionality and privilege, but under other opponents, people can play a more wait-and-see kind of game. So that's why I think it's it's different.
1: We got babies in concentration camps. What do you want to wait and see while you're waiting and seeing? They're turning concentration camps into death camps. Yeah. And... That is just a point where I know that we have to go there more with more substance. I also feel at this point, no one can say that they don't know where this is headed.
0: They can just say that it may not be directly affecting them. So I think wait and see is the intersection of fear and privilege. I think that that's what's happening because if you are impacted, there's nothing to wait for. My wake up was when the FBI came out with the black identity extremist designation. And I was like, that's me. That's me and everyone I work with. And identifying as black is not extremist. And believing in black liberation is not, to, to liken that to a form of domestic terrorism, and codify it in law, oh, this is how, this is the justification on how they take us away. What I've been looking at are what are the building blocks of fascism? Secret police, disappearances of activists, justifying violence so that people turn away from it or don't do anything about it. What we're looking for are the building blocks of the justifications. And we do have to contend with a thing that has been fascinating, probably between when we first talked and now or even. What's been fascinating is we've had a really short turnaround in the depth of which People are saying the word fascism and thinking about it, but there's still this piece around moving to action that still feels incredibly challenging.
1: That's a good transition. I wanted to, to speak to you about how we move people, because there's a lot of talk about fascism, but then there's clinging to the very channels that the fascists don't respect and are seeking to eliminate. You spoke earlier about the need for the will of the people and that that's the missing ingredient. And I was wondering if you can help paint a picture of what people's power looks like, how millions of people can actually force a formidable adversary to accede to our demands. What would that look like as opposed to people doing what they're doing now? And how do we move people in that direction?
0: I mean, this is might be me going back to some very old school organizer training. It's about us engaging with people beyond the people we already know. And large demonstrations, simultaneous virtual and in-person engagements. Right now, we're really utilizing social media as a way to connect and engage with each other. And I think people power also means people getting their relatives involved and the people at their jobs and the unions uniting with the activist groups These incredibly broad-based coalitions that can agree on a a few key things. People deserve housing and access to medicine and food and fascism is bad. A a few key things. At the stage we're at in fascist progression, almost everyone who believes this is wrong needs to be actively involved in some way, shape, or form. That is how we live. Even my calls to be in the streets have become more complicated over the last couple of months, knowing how deeply COVID is ravaging Black communities in particular. And the reminder for all of us is that we're all already unsafe. There are just different people who are being targeted in different ways and in a different time period. And so I think people power is deep engagement, whether your engagement is electorally, whether your engagement is in protest and both of those can go together, but it it is political engagement and there's no out for anyone at this point because this is the way that we, we save the people who are the most targeted. And it's a lesson that we can see from fascist history. The way that targeted people saved themselves was hiding and leaving. We don't have to be at that point, but we have to show that we are not at that point.
1: When you're saying hiding and leaving, you're making the concession. That a whole people can be demonized. You're making the concession with being ruled by a regime that thinks that people, that a section of people, are subhuman. I think that people have to sit with what kind of people they wanna be in this moment of history, especially with those who have skin like mine, who have less on the line. There's no safety
0: for anyone, and it's time to think about our strength, not our safety. The myth of safety. Everyone is unsafe, it's about positionality. The majority of people, white people with class privilege, are worse off, just even from the way that the coronavirus has been navigated. The other really difficult part about this particular period is that it is about all of us, but there is a tremendous responsibility on the white left's ability to mobilize the white moderate, and to pull off from the white right. There is a strategic piece that is literally about white people here and about the choices of white people and safety. We're at the point where there is no way for somebody with privilege to choose safety without also choosing someone else's lack of safety. It's interlinked. Choosing to protect yourself is choosing to to allow someone else to be targeted who has less power and privilege than you do. It's just, that's the fundamental place we're at.
1: And I think that there is the reality of that this is a regime that empowers all of humanity. We need to act in the interests of all of humanity if we don't want this to come to pass. It is uncomfortable. Fascism is uncomfortable. People are not going to join this because it's easy, fun, and risk-free. There's no gimmick in this except the reality that if you don't want this to come to pass, it's on you. Not on you alone. It's on you to be part of a movement that can overwhelm them both in the polls but most essentially in the streets, because it is abundantly clear that voting alone is not going to stop them. That's why we've been calling people into the streets every day through the election, because I think that there's a lot of people who are saying, well, if he steals the election, people are going to pour into the streets on November 3rd.
0: What fascists do, right? their strategy is they use all of their power over and over again to build more power. They freeze us into submission. We consent to their power through our inaction. You can't challenge that level of a show of force by not doing anything and thinking that one day they'll just close the concentration camps on their own accord oh they'll just stop targeting activists that's literally what that mindset is speaking to it's both uncomfortable but there is a piece that is still alluring which is our ability to live and thrive is an incredibly critical and important and life-affirming and joy-affirming place our ability to maintain our loved ones our ability to take care of each other our ability to survive and that is incredibly compelling And it's only when we start making choices and hedging bets around I think I'll make it, so therefore I don't need to do anything. It is our collective responsibility. They will weaponize our inaction against us anyway. And that's already happened. Things are worse than they were a couple of years ago. The thing I just keep saying to people is, don't forget there are more of us than them. If everyone who was against fascism came out against everyone who was for it, you would see how deeply outnumbered they are. And that's why they use tactics to scare you or to move you towards complacency.
1: It's such an essential point that people fail to grasp or don't really recognize fully is our power and our numbers. And we have strength in our diversity, in our numbers, in many people's righteous determination and outrage. All of those things are tremendous strengths, but they count for nothing unless they're visible, unless they're acted on. If they're kept private, if they're just left to a tweet, they own the future. One of the challenges is the need to stand in solidarity with each other and unite around this most urgent demand that this regime must go while still coming from and appreciating the different perspectives that bring people into this fight. Many people, they're sometimes shocked at how difficult it can be to get people to come together across political views in this way. And I was wondering about how you can share how groups and individuals can actually maintain their own voice and perspective and identities and unite to prevail against this threat that imperils us all, which is fascism, the Trump-Pence regime.
0: I think about the piece of writing that Bernice Johnson-Regan has, around coalition building. You don't come to the coalition expecting that things feel the way they are at home. People are confusing sometimes the concept of a political home with coalition. A coalition is a place where we strategically unite on a particular project, either to win a particular thing or to defeat a particular thing. And a coalition doesn't mean that we all have to agree on everything. And it also doesn't mean that we all have to claim or pretend to share identities. I imagine a world where abolitionists against fascism and reproductive justice against fascism. There is space. And what I think we need to do in our solidarity efforts is to affirm that the cultures that we have, the identities that we have, and our political projects are welcome. So it's not the sense of you're here to do this thing and everything else doesn't matter or is secondary, but the best way for you to win what you desire for your community is for us to move this project together. And then let's talk about how we can still be in solidarity, even across difference. And so my favorite coalitions or solidarity spaces Are there ones where people actually take time to learn about each other's political work, to educate each other on it, to deepen an intersectional agenda? I think all of that is possible because the types of coalition that you need under fascism and the types of solidarity that you need under fascism are the kinds that can withstand danger. And you can't withstand danger without some form of connection, intimacy, and true solidarity. So there's a particular contradiction or challenge in the broadness that is needed and the fortitude or strength of that coalition. So we can't create something so broad but not connected enough that some of us will run when things get too scary. That will not defeat fascism. We do have to create the level of collaboration where we say what happens to you is happening to me and I will not leave you. It is deep work. It is particular work. It is challenging work. It is daily work. It is not the type of intermittent, I'll call you when I need you kind of work. It is, I know that you're moving two different projects right now. How do we be in solidarity around fascism? How can we be in solidarity with everything else you're working on too?
1: I think the other challenge is that, and this is not to say that any of the issues that people are rightly working on are not this, but there's a very time-sensitive urgency. And I know people feel that way. The planet is on fire. That is an urgent thing. All of these things are urgent. One of them has a date. What a second term will mean. What a second term of Modi meant. Let's look around the world. When they get a second term, what happens? I say that to say this is so immediate. You can't build instant relationships.
0: I think we've gone through a lot of challenging places and made some missteps on the left where we try to talk about the primacy of one issue versus another issue. My approach is often... The best way for us to win climate justice is to unite against fascism because it's accelerating the climate catastrophe. It's around us taking the time to actually name the communities that we're a part of. The best way to ensure safety for migrant communities, in addition to a whole host of other pieces, is to unite here. And we have to create specific and intersectional engagements around a variety of issues that are also about defeating fascism.
1: I'm sure you've experienced this. What do you say to those who are very much in the movements for ending white supremacy, police murder, mass incarceration, when you put to them what you laid out, that people still feel like taking on Trump and Pence are a distraction?
0: I often will lift up what Trump and Pence have done to reduce opportunities or to create an even more difficult organizing train for the work of an organization. The idea of a strategic distraction is possible under neoliberalism. It's not actually possible under fascism because you have to live and they are trying to kill us.
1: Thanks for listening to Inside Without Now. You can find Ajiris on Twitter at Ajiris. Tomorrow, the Senate is beginning hearings to steamroll Amy Coney Barrett's Supreme Court confirmation at breakneck speed. This concentrates an acceleration of the rolling fascist coup. Trump and others have outright told us that they need their fascist majority on the SCOTUS to rule in their favor in a contested election so that they can stay in power no matter how you vote. It concentrates a leap in the Christian fascist and overall fascist program, transforming the highest court in the land more fully into an instrument of atrocity, particularly theocratic atrocity, enslaving women, slamming LGBTQ people backwards and more. While the fascists once again tear up all the rules, never forget how the fascist wing of the GOP 2016 stalled and stole obama's supreme court appointment the democrats have already conceded they have accepted that this nomination will go forward limiting their calls to their base to vote harder despite the proven reality that votes alone will not determine this electoral outcome and making absurd proposals that they will expand the court once biden is in power this is conciliation and delusion. All this drives home, in even more vivid and stark terms, the life and death stakes for humanity and the urgent historic imperative that all those who refuse to accept a fascist America take it upon themselves to flood the streets, to demand Trump-Pence out now, day after day, as long as it takes, and in growing numbers until this regime is removed. This is not a time to wait passively for normal channels. The normal channels are gone. This week also leads up to the Women's March on Saturday, where there is potential for the Out Now movement and demand Trump pens out now to reach millions of people, both on the ground and through the media. We're calling on chapters on the East Coast to recruit volunteers to come to DC at the start of the hearings, where Refuse Fascism aims to make a big scene and statement exposing and opposing these illegitimate hearings and this whole illegitimate fascist regime, putting the demand, Trump Pence, out now in front of all the forces who are in DC and the whole world that will have their eyes on DC this week. You can find more information and sign up at refusefascism.org Some might only be able to come for a day. Some the whole week. Some may come for the Women's March. Whenever you can gather with others to demand Trump Pence out now in D.C. will make a difference. And for those not going to D.C., wherever you are, take up the opposition around this hearing. Find where daily protests near you are happening or organize one. Again, go to refusefascism.org. Expose the Christian fascist nightmare this will bring. Get people in the square with bloody pants and handmaid's costumes. Keep the central demand Trump-Pence out now in focus. If this regime is not removed from power, The question of a fully consolidated fascist court and locking in the fascist assault on all of society is a question of when, not if. It is right and necessary to expose concretely the stakes of this Supreme Court appointment, of Amy Coney Barrett's history and program, how this is part of the fascist coup now accelerating. All of this must be marshaled toward rallying millions to take the streets demanding Trump-Pence out now. Share with us your ideas, plans, questions. Message us on social media at refusefascism. Email Goldman at refusefascism.org. Join us in D.C. this week and nationwide wherever you are in day after day protests, demanding Trump-Pence out now. Donate to support this movement. Give at refusefascism.org by clicking the donate button, or via Venmo, refuse-fascism, or via Cash App, refuse fascism. In the name of humanity, we refuse to accept a fascist America. See you in the streets day after day.